Hope. It's what military families need today. Join Hope for the Warriors once a month as we talk with America's heroes and those that support them. Through open conversations and honest dialogue, learn more about the topics that are most impacting the military community. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. Welcome to the grand finale of 2023. Can you believe we're at the doorstep of a new year already? Time truly does fly. I hope you're wrapped in the warmth of the holiday season, creating precious memories with friends and family, and perhaps just maybe contemplating those New Year's resolutions. But let's acknowledge that for some, this time of year isn't all about tinsel and cheer. It can be challenging. So a gentle reminder, reach out, pick up the phone, maybe call an old battle buddy just to check in. A simple connection can mean the world. Speaking of connections, that's exactly what led to my guest today. This episode is about family support and readiness. Joining us is Lieutenant Colonel Michael Harrison and his wife, Mikkel Harrison. Their story is a testament to the strength found in the bonds of family and the power of unwavering support. Thank you both so much for being here and sharing your journey with us. It's an honor to have you on the Hope for the Warriors podcast. Well, we are excited to be here, Kate. And I want to just give a shout out to you as a military spouse. So thank you so much for what you do and what your team does. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And you guys are visiting family in Madison, Wisconsin. So I appreciate you taking the time during a holiday week as well. Carving out some time after carving the uh, holiday turkey. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) The first question I have, and this is just funny, and I wanted our listeners to know, because I love talking about connections and networking. And since joining Hope for the Warriors, I've established so many connections. And Michael, can you just share how we got connected for this podcast episode? It is such a small world. And if you think about the Kevin Bacon rule, that most people are only connected, separated by one or two people. So I actually learned about Hope for the Warriors from two very different connections. One was one of my lieutenants within my battalion had a father who was best friends with Greg Gadsden. And we were connected to Hope for the Warriors through that route because we were looking for some ways to partner with an organization for service back at Fort Campbell in Kentucky because I'm a big believer that service and impact matter. And so we had a chance to work with amazing members and volunteers of your team for a a turkey and a food giveaway in December of 2022 at Fort Campbell. And so it was a great chance to meet people like Angie and Aaron who came from all across the country to help support that. And I'll never get meeting one of the truck drivers who has been driving for your organization for about seven years now. And his father flies in to help with it. And so this passion for hope is something that has stayed with me ever since. And then the Kevin Bacon connection is strong now that I'm at West Point and that one of my best friends there actually grew up with Kate. And so he shared this the story and opportunity for, for someone that had just left battalion command to potentially talk about with his wife the impact of Hope for the Warriors and organizations on soldiers and families. And so that's how we we made the connection back to Kate and the circle has has come complete ever since then. So it's really amazing to make this connection. And I'm a firm believer that good people know good people and, and excited to be connected to you, Kate. 
Yeah, that's so funny because I reached out to Adam because he's at West Point and he was a neighbor of mine growing up and he's older than me. So he was really good friends with my older brother. And when I reached out to him about finding some connections to talk to on the Hope for the Warriors podcast, your name came up right away. And then when we emailed back and forth, you sent me a photo of you drinking out of your Hope for the Warriors mug that morning. And I was right. like, oh, this right. is fine. <laughs> so the, the t-shirt, which is like an olive drab t-shirt, is my son's favorite t-shirt that he probably wore one day a week for to school for two years. And then that is his favorite coffee mug that I use when, when he allows me to. So yeah, it is a serendipitous connection. It is. Mikhail, what did you know about Hope for the Warriors? You know, I had not been as exposed as Michael had been prior to Fort Campbell, but at that point, we were trying to become very aware of the resources and opportunities available to all of the families, um, because that was my primary focus while we were there, was just the military um, spouses, the kids, and there is so much offered by Hope for the Warriors that I don't feel like we had known enough about. So I was so grateful to be connected and not only to have the chance to serve alongside you guys, but also to see our families served in such a beautiful way. And I'm so excited about this opportunity because I'm actually going to be down at Fort Campbell for our food distribution in a couple of weeks. I just found this out. This is pretty new. I haven't even told you this, Michael, but I'm really looking forward to it. So what should I, what should I know? What, what, what kind of things should I uh, be aware of going into that? Because it sounds like it's going to be really special. Well, you should know first and foremost that you're going to the best division in the United States Army, and I'm not not biased at all, but you're going to Fort Campbell. It's about an hour and a half northwest of Nashville, and it's a very special base. You have the 101st Airborne Division that whose history and Screaming Eagles actually goes back to the Civil War, but most people know it from World War II, and if you think of Bandon Brothers in Normandy, they played some outsized roles there. But you also have some very unique organizations also based at Fort Campbell, including the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, Special Forces. And really what you have is a really unique, vibrant community around Fort Campbell and Clarksville. And I think what you'll see when you visit there is that the model of a very symbiotic and partnered relationship between the town of Clarksville and Fort Campbell is a very strong relationship. And I think it's it's one of those special examples of the type of of opportunity that presents itself when you have a community that cares that's that's integrated and leans into the military base within that local community as well as a military base that reciprocates and is very eager to partner and so my my prediction is when you go there one you'll appreciate the amazing barbecue and in, in Nashville as well as hot chicken which I never had but more importantly what you're going to see is you're going to have a lot of soldiers that come out and volunteer and, and love with smiles on their faces serving the families and people around the community that come in to be served but at the same time you're going to love the the chance to be able to talk with and and learn more about each one of those soldiers and their family stories I think you're going to find that, like Michael just said, the volunteering part of serving is just as important to the families there as being the recipient, maybe even more so. So you're going to find a lot of community interaction. The community is so strong there. The family is, when I say family, I want to say like tight-knit community family. Um, is it is so it is such a unique special place and will always have a very special place in our hearts because we left some of our hearts there. Well, Michael, you mentioned the service and your connection with Fort Campbell. Can you just tell myself and our listeners about your service? 
Absolutely. So I, I was blessed. I just recently changed out of battalion command in the 101st. So I was blessed to serve in the 187 Infantry Leader Rakasans in the 3rd Brigade of 101st Airborne Division. So I was there two years. I had actually never been in the 101st before, but I'm a true convert. So this is one of those organizations, if your listeners have been a part of the Army before, they probably heard about the Rakasans. It's one of those organizations where with when you're in it, you love the symbolism and the, the passion. And if you're not, you roll your eyes usually when you hear about the Rakasans. But it was a special time for us. My, my son still considers that job the best job in, in the U.S. Army, and I think I do too. But really what it came down to is over those two years, Mikkel and I really wanted to focus on investing in the soldiers and the families to make sure that when our army asked us to do some really tough things, we were ready. And so what we're really focused on was prioritizing the people, the purpose, and the possibility. So the people we invested in, each one of our soldiers, each one of the families to make sure they felt like they were part of our broader team. The purpose, making sure everyone understood the why, which is, you know, our nation stands ready to defend its values. And so as part of our army, we have to be ready at all times. And so no matter what's going on in the world, they ask us to be ready and, and we need to be, be ready. And that includes making sure that our families are ready. And that's why we're so appreciative for what Hope for the Warriors brings to that aspect of, of the, the need and the urgency. And then possibilities is, you know, soldiers, everyone joins for a very different reason, whether it's because they were part of a family that served, whether they are pursuing their education, whether they came from a really tough home situation and is this is a way to escape and pursue a better life. But once they join, most people stay because they're bought into the mission. They understand this idea of being part of a team and they're excited about why they go to work every day. And so my mission as the battalion commander was really to serve as a sense maker and, and really to help provide that why and anchor every day. And it was the best job in the world. I love getting up and, and working with soldiers. And I joined the army because um, I wanted a challenge and I thought it would be a great opportunity to learn more about myself and challenge myself. And I love this idea of impact and purpose, but I've stayed because of the people, the people that, that I know that, that you see as a military spouse, you, yourself, you appreciate, and especially to the listeners is that the people that, that comprise our, our military, our armed forces and those families, they're really special. And they're really, I would argue the best of, of our country and, and comprise what, what makes American dream such a powerful idea. And you're just coming up on 20 years or you just hit 20 years? I am. So I will hit 20 years next May. So graduated from West Point in 2004. And just like we talked about earlier, I originally from from California. And so I didn't know what Lake Effect Snow was. So I was originally stationed at Fort Drum, New York. And the 10th Mountain Division really loved my time there. I was very blessed to, to serve in the 10th Mountain for about four and a half years. Deployed to Afghanistan twice, came back grad school. And then I was able to teach back at West Point, which is very special. So I taught economics and American politics. And after that, we were at Fort Leavenworth for a year for some advanced schooling, followed by three years in the 4th Infantry Division out in Fort Carson, Colorado, which was a really special experience, beautiful location. That's another example of a community that really leans in and has a very special relationship with the, the military base there. And during that time, we had a chance to deploy to Europe. And so this regionally aligned force, force model that you see in Europe right now is you have a, a brigade or even more over there. And we were the first regionally aligned force brigade over there in 2017. So we were across Eastern Europe from the Baltics down to Bulgaria. And so it was a really interesting opportunity to understand the importance of being ready at all times and this idea of allies and partners and the chance to build relationships. And just like we have done around the world is really invested in those partnerships and the relationships. And it was a great chance for our soldiers just to see and understand 
the value and why it's so important to be ready every single day. Came back from there, served in the White House for a year, and then I was up up in the Office of the Secretary of Defense for two years, which is a fascinating experience just to understand from the strategic level how decisions are made and implemented. And then from there, had the best job in the world, which was joining 101st as battalion commander. So it's it's been an amazing 20 years, and I'm grateful for the experience. And really, it's something that I look back in my career. I've been blessed with a lot of people that have invested in me, but just as important, blessed with a lot of people that have, have really supported and invested in us, both at our own stations in our communities, but especially when we're, we're deployed. Mikkel, where are you from originally? Because you said, Michael, you're from California. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, spent most of my life there, had no exposure to the military. So meeting Michael, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. Um, She still may not be. (laughs) (laughs) But it has been the most incredible adventure. So, but home is is still, I guess, I consider Dallas home only because we haven't been anywhere else long enough for us to actually call it home yet. So, And how did you actually meet? I have a travel business and I was um, spending time jumping from group to group um, one, one spring, it was, I believe. And I had a group of about 200 people in Israel and they were about to cross the border over to Jordan. And so his father happened to be on that trip and saw me and said, I need to meet that girl. And so he organized an introduction rather than just introducing himself because he wanted to interview me. And I didn't realize that that's what was happening. So he basically interviewed me. I guess I passed because then he dropped the bomb that he had a son who was single. I was not interested in being set up by someone's father, but he was <laughs> a very adamant about this. And he just got enough of his foot in the door to ask if he could send me updates about what Michael is doing in Afghanistan because he was deployed at the time. And um, and I said, sure, I, that would be great to know front lines what's going on. And so that was his foot in the door. And through a lot of persuasion <laughs> and over the next month, um, his father finally convinced me to write him an email, which I did and thought that would be the end. But here we are many, many, many years later, and it was the best email I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's I got the email and I did not know the backstory about my dad and how much he had been trying to convince her to, to email me. And so I see this email and first thing I noticed, she has perfect grammar, Kate. <laughs> so it's a starting point. right? So first thing you do when you don't know anything about someone, right, is you Google them, you search for them. And so I searched online. She was nowhere to be found. And so I was very intrigued. And so we started over the next six months emailing more and more and everyone was a bit longer than, than the last. And so by October, when I was planning to take my mid-tour leave, I was very intrigued and wanted to meet her. And so I had planned to take my mid-tour leave to Paris because I was uh, single and I thought that might be a fantastic place to go. And then my battalion commander, here I am, I'm the only single company commander. And so the entire FRG chain of command and community had been trying to marry me off for years. And so when they caught wind of Mikkel, 
I had to give these daily updates on Miss Texas, which was the phrase that he coined for her almost daily, almost daily came. And so he said, Mike, you, you need to go meet her. And of course he was right. And so I had to be really deliberate about this. So, because there's a lot of writing on this first date, Kate. And so I thought if I went to Dallas where her family is and she's grown up, like half of the restaurant would be filled with her friends. And so like, that's enemy territory. I, I needed to <laughs> at least find neutral ground. And so my family's in Virginia. And so I thought I didn't, we didn't want to do it there either because I thought that might be a bit too much of a stretch. But her sister lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so that seemed like a pretty good neutral territory position to, to use. And so she flew in, stayed with her sister. I drove down from Blacksburg, Virginia, met her. 30 seconds later, awkwardly met her sister, her brother-in-law, her niece. And then we went out on the date. And so I was also really careful about where you go for your first date. Huh? And so I chose fondue because you can regulate it. And so because it was such a great meal, you could lengthen everyone in the courses and close down the restaurant. And so it was a first date. I knew the first day I was going to meet Mary Hurricane. It took her about a year for me to convince her. So that's what, what happens with you when you marry. So technically, we have an arranged marriage and we met online. <laughs> that is an amazing story. I love that so much. You got to thank your dad. What they're talking about. They do. That's true. That's what we that's tell true. our son all the time. Sometimes those parents, they, they know exactly. what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking, you have one son. We do. We have um, Michael Jr. We call him MJ. Oh. And he is about to turn 10. Michael, have you been deployed since you got married? So since we got married, I spent about 10 months in Eastern Europe. And so we were deployed in 2017, left in January and got back uh, mid, mid fall or so. And so that was, as you see, look what's going on in Europe right now. We have soldiers over there. We have service members over there as well. And I think what it reminded me of was the importance of being ready and being focused and that really reinforced the value of relationships. And I think you look at what our service members and our families are asked to do. It's a very broad set of missions and that requires a very broad and resilient set of relationships and the the investment in the, the families and the communities back home to make sure they can support those service members and then conversely making sure the service members understand the purpose and the impact and so that's why uh coming back from that deployment i really left with an appreciation for the breadth of the important requirements and missions that our military has around the world and is really an important also opportunity for me to see the, the impact of those relationships around the world. Mikkel, what were some of the things that you did while he was deployed, especially in terms of family? What were some of the responsibilities that you had and how did you support him while he was away? That was our first true deployment. Uh, he had been on extensive trainings, which anyone in the military will understand that just because they're they're not deployed doesn't necessarily mean they're home. But this was the the first extended deployment that we had had. Our son had just turned three and he was so little, but old enough to know that daddy's gone. And um, that was, that was probably our greatest challenge was to try and make sense of that for him. And, and that I think on any parent is going to be the, the biggest burden as well to make sure that you provide as much stability as you can for your kids. And so that was our, our mission. Um, from my point of, of view, um, I simplified a lot. Everything around the house simplified. You know, we, we were focused and dialed in to our mission um, to make sure that we, I think our phrase was um, 
thrive, not just survive. And that, that was what we had taken on that year was we are going to do more than just survive that year. And part of that was simplifying everything from, you know, meals and prep and all of that to realizing that while there were certain things we wanted to save for when daddy got back um, to give ourselves something to look forward to, we also needed to make sure that life didn't stop. And that was something that I found I needed to correct myself on because we wanted to save all the special moments for when daddy got back and got home. Um, But all of a sudden you can realize that you've stopped living too much. And so realizing how to integrate those, those special moments and those memories together with, with my son and then maybe other friends who are family or extended family, and not just waiting for life to start again until he got back. And so I had to continually remind myself that it wasn't wrong to go and have some fun and to give ourselves those treats and to do what feeds us because that's how we thrive and not just survive. And um, and then learned that by doing that, I actually was supporting Michael. Part of me felt bad that we were having fun while he was while he was gone but once we started communicating like what we were doing and that there was joy in our voices and all of a sudden I realized the pressure that he felt to take care of us from so far away but when he knew we were doing well that we were cared for I saw a weight lift off of him just in the way that he spoke you could just hear it and so I think that I did ask him you know what what were some ways that I had I supported you and that was his immediate response was you knowing that you and MJ were taken care of was what I needed yeah absolutely I think you look at service members especially when they're deployed or on a training exercise their prime directive is to take care of their families. And so if they're confident that those families are taken care of, that they are thriving back home, that I think that does lift that burden or that responsibility off of their shoulders and allows them to focus more on the mission and uh, the urgency of the the task at hand. So yes, I would agree with her completely on that. That's such a good point because how many military spouses run into that issue where you don't want to miss out on anything, but you also don't want to, I mean, I imagine Michael for you, if you call and they're sad back at home, it probably doesn't help your mental state because it's already difficult. Right. Absolutely. It does. You're you're absolutely right. And I think if you look back to the importance of the relationships and communicating this to listeners and communities, I think there is a lot of value in, especially that the families being plugged into those communities and living life, enjoying life and pursuing specific goals. And so with, within our battalion, if you ask any one of my soldiers, we talk about goals quite a bit. And I think, especially as you start working through really tough situations, whether it's deployment or a training exercise or or even some, some life events they may happen is understanding what the goals are that you're working towards as an individual, as a family, and as a team. And so w- within my battalion, what we really focused on were the three Fs. And so the first one is focusing on your future. And whether it's a soldier or a family, we talked about figuring out what are those big, bold goals that you wanted to work towards. And then as part of a, a, the leadership team is what can we do to help you 
and your, your family achieve those specific goals. And then you map out that pathway. So the first one is really talking about the future. Second is finances. And in the military, just like across our country, is just being very attuned to what those stressors are and figure out what you can do to help provide that financial confidence, both from a budgeting perspective, but also some of the long-term goals they may have. And then three, it's really focusing on what that family needs and what they're looking for, what they're excited about. And so I'm a firm believer that if you sit down with a service member and that applies to myself, and you talk about your, your future, your, your finances and your family, and all three of those are aligned and strong, then that really in tune provides a, a much more stronger service member and a much more resilient unit. And that's why we're really, really appreciative of what Hope does for service members, for the families, and how there's a very clear symbiotic relationship through Hope with local communities. And that's just a, it's a powerful, a powerful takeaway for me. Thank you for saying that about Hope for the Warriors, because we we do focus on all of those things because it's not just about deployments. We focus on critical needs, financial wellness, emotional wellness, sports and recreation. We do all of those things to help not just the service member, but also their families. But I want to know what are some things that Mikkel did while you were away that helped you get through that deployment? So first and foremost, it was helping share the message of the why, the purpose of why we were deployed. And sometimes it's really hard for families back home to re understand the purpose and have that shared connection to why the service members are gone. So whether it's a significant training event or a deployment that you see right now around the world, it's helping serve as that sense maker and connector back home to share the stories both with our military families and spouses of why mommy or daddy is gone and just as importantly, sharing that with the local community. So people are, are, whether it's in your family, your friend network, your professional network, or just in your local community, remember that there are our military members always deployed around the world, supporting our country and its interest. And so that was probably the most important thing that she did for me as a leader within my organization. Personally, it was helping share those stories of all the fun things that we're doing to thrive. So whether it was MJ eating his first grapefruit or the first concert they went to as a mommy and, and son, or just some of the, the fun life moments is helping serve as a communicator. And she is, as she can attest, and pretty much everyone in my family would agree, is she's a much better communicator than me, especially within our family. And so it's something that she challenged me to learn on how to be a better communicator. And so she modeled that for me. And so being able to proactively share the stories and share the, those, those, those special moments with the service members deployed, that was some, a, third, a second way that she really, really helped me. And then the third one was just to help serve as the encouragement and remind me the broader purpose of what we're doing and the sacrifices we're making and just reminding me of the value and the reason behind it. So everyone has let's say, a grandma or an uncle or a brother or a neighbor. Everyone has the people in their life that have that significant impact that have invested in them or the reason why they get up and want to put on the uniform every day. And so for me, it was really helping hear those stories from her and hearing that encouragement and that helped me personally get through some of the, the tough days. Michael's battalion commander, the one that insisted he not go to Paris and instead, you know, come and, and take me on our first date. His wife was the one who I was asking all kinds of questions when I was learning about this life. And she was the one that said to me, it is the, the spouse who sets the tone. It is the mom who sets the tone. 
for the family. So if you see this as your family adventure, if you see this as we do this as a team, then everyone else will follow your lead. But if you do the opposite, they will also follow your lead. And so I've taken that to heart. Um, I have not done it perfectly. So please don't hear me say that that I've always had the best attitude about it. Um, but how we word things is important, not just to our son, but to ourselves, so that we see that as the adventure that, that we're having together. We say all the time, we aren't leaving the military to, to have some slow life, we are choosing a new adventure and we're going on a different one now. This has been a phenomenal one, but our life is going to continue to be the adventure that we have now learned we love. The other important aspect of what Mikkel has done is to help make sure you set very, very realistic expectations of what that time looks like when the service member is gone. So being realistic that you may only hear from mommy or daddy once a week or so, and there may be times where you hear from them even less. And so I think just being very realistic about that, what, what that looks like and not just painting a rosy picture for that, especially the child is very important. So they're not surprised in a, in a negative way when the expectations aren't necessarily aligned with reality. So Mikkel done a really good job with being very deliberate with how she communicates and sets those expectations, both for all the families that we were blessed to serve with, but especially for our son. So what was it like when Mike did come back? Oh my goodness. I will never, it will be forever seared in my brain to see that three, almost four-year-old holding his sign for daddy saying my daddy's home and getting to watch him run up to daddy for the first time in 10 months and 10 months to an almost four-year-old is a very long time. And that was the sweetest moment maybe ever. Um, and I did, I just let him run to daddy and I just let them have that moment. And we had a sweet friend capture that for us so that we can relive that. So that was amazing. And um, we were so excited to have him home. I mean, had all his favorite foods. And um, that's how that's how we show love in our family is is food. And um, we, we love food. So we had his favorite foods. We had all the things um, ready for daddy. And one of the things that we had done the entire 10 months was we had a big, huge mason jar. And every time MJ said, I wish daddy was here too whatever it was, we put that, whatever he said, onto a little sticky note and we dropped it in this mason jar. So instead of it being a sad, you know, daddy's not here to do this with me, it became an, I can't wait for daddy to be home to do these things. And so one of the first things MJ did when he ran in is ran and grabbed that jar. And it, it was a big jar filled with all kinds of different things. And he said, daddy, look what we get to do. And so for weeks, you know, he would just pull one out and say, okay, I guess this is what we're going to do. And it could be anything from tickle me so that I can giggle or um, go to the park with daddy. It could be any of those things. And so that was a really sweet um, memory of, of the, he didn't miss these things. We get to now create these things. And so that was fun. I think that the, the return was fantastic the reintegration surprised me. And I felt like we had gotten through the hardest part because he's home now. And uh, the reintegration was something that nobody had talked to me about. 
And so I didn't know what to expect. That was a, that was a rough yeah. month or two for us because I think in my mind, I don't know about you, but in my mind, like we went back to the way things were before you left. But our son is now a year older and we've been functioning a full, almost a full year without him. And he's exhausted because he has had so much pressure on him the entire time that he was gone. And so we didn't communicate well enough about what this would look like and what our expectations were and how I could ease him in a little bit. I don't think I did a very good job of easing him into day-to-day life. And I, I would love to have done that better. So the challenges there, I felt like were unique to us back then. I now know much more and know that it's very common for that to be a challenge for, you know, for that service member to enter back into family life. But I felt like it was just us and I was worried about us. And I wish that I had known that it was a season and we will get through it. It was just a little bumpier than I thought it would be. I thought it would be all roses and um, it wasn't quite like that, Um, but we got there. It just took a little more time than we had anticipated. I think the service members also have a responsibility. And when you come back, you come back and you just expect the world to be what it was like when you left. And the families are at their best when they continue to thrive. And just like we talked about earlier is to continue to live life every day is you just have to be really careful and tuned to the fact that when you come back, that family has been living life for the last 10 months, a year, six months, whatever it may be. And so you have to be really respectful and careful of that when you come in to not completely derail and disrupt whether like the spouse is really focused on helping sell some boundaries and predictable rhythms for the children to just how they their rhythm is organized throughout the day. And just thinking, think about it from the family perspective. And I certainly failed my wife in that regard when I came home because you're just so excited. And so it's almost like you need to get through that honeymoon phase again, post-deployment, and then think about how that how you identify and figure out what that new reality looks like when you get home. And so I think thinking through that and perhaps having those conversations before you redeploy as a family is important so that you do have those expectations set and everybody understands what you're working towards in terms of stasis equilibrium as a family. Well, it sounds like you guys tried your best and you got through it and you're on the other side. And now you've had time to reflect on that time when you got back and how maybe you could have done things better what advice would you give to a military spouse or a service member who is returning that might be facing this same type of struggle when they come home? I think for the spouse, I would say, you know, celebrate that your your service member is home, but you haven't crossed the finish line yet. You are almost there, but you're not there yet. I think in my mind, I wanted to just be done and I wanted him to take you know all this responsibility back it wasn't it wasn't quite time yet for that to happen we needed to ease back into that he needed time to to rest and recuperate he also needed time to see how things had changed how we were correct how I was correcting mj on things or you know what he was doing that was normal that wasn't normal before he left, he needed time to observe those things before I could expect him to come in and step in and play that role. So 
be excited, celebrate it, but don't be ready to just drop everything. Even though I know that's what you want. You're tired. You're exhausted. Just one last push and you will get through that transition. And then you've crossed that finish line and you will be able to have a family that has maintained some stabilization through that process that I would have loved to be able to provide to the family had I known. And I think for the service members, it's asking the question, how can I best serve my my spouse and my family? And I think it's very natural for that family to think about how can we welcome home the service member and support them? But I think it's just important to make sure that that's a reciprocal relationship. And the service members who are obviously just as excited to come home and see their families as the families are, just make sure they think about when they do get home, how they can they be present and fill those expectations that those little boys and girls have for them and, and best serve those spouses that have just been the rock stars and uh, the, the, the steady influence in those families while they've been gone. And what is next for you guys once May comes around? Are you able to talk about that, this next adventure? Well, we aren't exactly sure quite yet. We're still getting all of that decided. Um, when you ask our son, he has decided that we are moving back to D.C. So um, if he has his way, we'll we'll head back to that area. But we aren't quite sure yet. Yeah, we don't we don't know. I may need to come back on and, and update you, Kate. But, you know, I've you know, looked back to when I when I started at West Point and it was like one of those places that drew me to this idea of impact and, and opportunity and challenges and being part of something bigger than yourself. And so over the, the course of my military career, I've been very blessed with people that have invested in me. And more importantly, to be serving alongside amazing service members from across the country, around the world, from Compton, California, to Chicago, to Iowa, to New York City, and everywhere in between. And so the best part of our, our army specifically, I'll speak to that, is is our soldiers, our people, the people that are willing to raise the right hand. And so as I look to what's next, I've just been very appreciative for the, the 20 years I've had a chance to put on the uniform, but more importantly, to, to serve alongside the, the best our country has to offer. I think that's a great way to sum up this episode and close it out because I could not say that any better. <laughs> and you have been so great and you both have been such a pleasure to talk to. And I appreciate the things that you're saying about Hope for the Warriors as well, because that's just great to hear. And I think it's great for our listeners to know some of those resources. And I'm just so excited to hear about what your next adventure is. And I hope you guys have a great holiday season and a fantastic new year. Thank you for being on today. Thanks, Kate. It was our honor, Kate. There were so many great moments during that conversation with Michael and Mikkel, but my favorite was the jar idea. And I'm 100% going to use this when my husband is away for an extended training. Anytime my son and I do something together and he wishes daddy is there, just going to jot it down keep it for when he comes home. And that's something that they can do together. So once again, thank you, Mikkel, for sharing that. I just love that idea. And as always, thank you, the listeners, for taking the time to press play on the Hope for the Warriors podcast. We've had so many wonderful guests, compelling stories, and heartfelt moments this year. And I can't wait to see what 2024 holds. I hope you have a beautiful holiday season. And until next year, keep in mind, a little kindness goes a long way. Hope is what our military community needs today.